0: What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the Mike and Jeff Do a Podcast, and uh, lo and behold, freaking have Mike back after a couple episodes here with, without him, and he went away for the f- basically the first four weeks of the season, so now he decides to come back, and now he wants to run the, the joint again. But uh, I'm Jeff Melanation, and Mike, how you doing, man?
1: Good. Just have to get used to being back on a podcast in front of my computer and just want to let CFSL Nation know that I am back.
0: Oh, Jesus, come on. <laughs> it's bad enough we get that with uh, Juby every time he beats a team. He always puts that in chat like 10 times.
1: Yeah, he's just copying me. I started that trend.
0: <laughs> there you go. got take... I mean, you are the no- the best uh, AD in Texas history, so he is trying to follow in your footsteps.
1: Yeah, it's big shoes to fill in. And- uh, so far, the past four or five seasons, it has not been filled yet.
0: <laughs> not yet, but uh, I mean, you've been away uh, for the first four weeks of the season. We're we're hitting the midway point. We're getting into week five. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, we're past the halfway mark uh, when we hit tomorrow. But uh, what have, what have your thoughts been so far from what you've seen? And I know that you've taken over head coaching duties at NIU, uh, so you kind of been doing a little bit of uh dipping your foot back into the coaching pool again
1: yeah just a little bit uh help where i where i'm needed and so far in the mac my record has not been great so um looking looking forward this this season has just been a really good one you know a lot of the teams that uh like ou for example didn't win any games last season and now they're 3-1 and they're up there and you have teams like notre dame which is doing really well which props to them they're They're great. And then uh, I believe it's just Missouri is the other undefeated team. And if we're talking about something controversial, I don't, I think Missouri is the worst 4-0 team. If you look at the the player or the teams that they've played before, um, not the greatest records. But, you know, this isn't the time of the season where coaches have figured out their settings. And now it's time to adjust. So the next four weeks are going to be really interesting to see which coaches can adjust. And this is what separates the men from the boys.
0: Did you ever coach at Texas when there was an eight game season, or were you always with twelve games?
1: No, the first I think it was the first two seasons, season three and season four was the twelve, and then uh, five, six, seven was the eight game seasons.
0: Well, I mean, I know we we I mean we have Smitty as well. Um, coming coming out to the podcast as well we had uh, DT who's uh, the head coach in the Mac right now and also a uh, assistant coach in uh, Wisconsin but uh, I think this is a good time to talk about like you were you were talking about coaches kind of know what they have right now but when you go through an eight game season, for you, was it more so just trying to find your way through the first couple of weeks, and then just see what you have, or are you kind of like fine tuning stuff by that time, and you kind of know based off of game planning in the off season what you got right now?
1: It's kind of a mixture of both. Um, you can do as much preparation as you can in the first, you know, in the off season, but uh, the first couple of weeks, you know, you're doing all the simming on your system, and you don't know what, really what the other team runs or anything like that. So, once you start seeing how these other teams are built and you start running Sims against them on, uh, you know, when Mike's running the games, you start to see, okay, this is how my team can perform the best. This is how other teams are attacking me. This is how I can change some of the things that um, some of that thought process. So, it goes much deeper than just, oh, I'm going to pick these numbers and that's it. You have to start to think of, okay, this team is going to, you know, this team is running, you know, prepping me to run or their run defense isn't that great. Or, you know, you start to put those factors in. And you start, messing around with your settings a little bit and then once you get to the midpoint season like this is now you know it's it's about adjustment like what what i mentioned earlier it's you know you have your settings they've worked really well for the first couple weeks you may have played a couple mac teams like missouri but you you know now that you're here you know teams are gonna look at the past four weeks as a track record and they're gonna start playing you to your track record and some teams they over-adjust and they just completely fall off. Where you have teams like Auburn, which you know packs a great adjuster. He'll, you know, he'll change his settings. And I know they haven't been great so far this season, but you know you can never count them out. You know I fully expect that they make a they make a run here.
0: Yeah, uh, me same. I I do think that uh, it was quite surprising to see them uh, lose to Tennessee like they did, but then they came back against Florida State, where that game probably should have been over by halftime. But I think Florida State left left the uh, the door ajar. They didn't shut it fully on Auburn, and that's what happens. I mean, Pack does it all the time. He did it in the game that you and I called back uh, in the semifinals against my Boise State Broncos. He knows he knows what to do to uh, to make comebacks, and um, I, I fully expect him to have at least a say in how the SEC battle is going to come to a close. But now that we've hit the halfway point. Um, is there? I I mean, I know you've been out for a couple for a couple weeks still, but are you ready to jump into it, or you just want to keep chit chatting a little bit?
1: No, let's jump into it. I know we got a couple of other uh, ads here that uh, want to get in on it for a little panel. Kind of told them what we were going to talk about a little bit, so hopefully they came well prepared.
0: Yeah, and uh, we actually have a player that. I think might be on one of the topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, we'll see, but uh, that's going to be, I can't wait for, for him to make his debut on the uh, podcast. So uh, making his, I mean, probably fifth appearance on this podcast, uh, Smitty, the AD, uh, co-AD, I keep forgetting, co-AD of Florida. And we got uh, also DT Hall, the again, the uh, one of the assistant head coaches for Wisconsin and also the head coach for bowling green and then making his debut i think uh i can't wait to hear what he has to say but we got justin morris jr who was i think i mean for me one of my favorite players to watch and one of my favorite players to call because you just never know what he's gonna do or what uh what what he's gonna do out on the field oh you guys can unmute yourselves now there we go (laughs) oh man so what's going on smitty how you doing man
2: Man, love and life. It's a beautiful Sunday. You know, getting ready for, for uh, some CFSL CFSL action this week.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to get that in. We got to get into your uh into your rankings here a little bit. Maybe drop some knowledge on uh on the podcast here before you post it. Uh are you going to post the article or did you already submit it for a review? Yeah, it, it
2: has been submitted for okay. review, so it's, okay. up, it's up on the side for publication.
0: Okay. Uh DT Hall How's it going, man? Or is he going to be away? There he is. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Trying to recruit. What's up? Not much. How's How's it going? Oh, it's it's going all right. Not too bad. Yeah, I saw you added a couple more pieces again.
3: Yeah, we're slowly building. Hopefully we'll get a win at some point in time.
0: And Wisconsin looks really good, too. Um, I think uh, Mike's or somebody said it. I don't know who I forgot what broadcaster called their games, but I think uh, it was Mike that said that they're fine. You guys are finally uh, looking like that team that you know a lot of people had as uh, maybe a dark horse in the off season.
3: Uh, the pieces are there. We're just finally starting to put them together. I know on paper we look good, so it seems like we're uh, we're finally starting to hit our stride. Hopefully, we'll see.
0: And then uh, Justin Morris Jr. Uh, the quarterback for LSU. I know. Uh, how's it going, man?
4: Oh, it's good. Um, still kind of hanging on to that big win against Tennessee. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you had a. I mean, really, you had a big game against Alabama as well. I mean, that was that was a game that you guys probably needed to have, especially that conference early conference game in Week Three. And, I mean, you guys put on a show.
4: Yeah, um, you know, confidence and morale was kind of low a little bit after the rough start. Um, We saw some good things against Oregon in week two, even though we ultimately lost. Um, And I think that was the hardest schedule in terms of the first two weeks in in the entire league um, to come out and play our former ADs. And then on top of that, the very next week you play a national champion I think that's just way <laughs> – they did us wrong with that. Um, but, you know, we we saw uh, some things we liked against Oregon, and I know the ADs, they were hard at work to fix the issues and bounce off of the stuff we did like against Oregon, and then it came came re- together really well against Alabama, and we put together a good game, and then the same thing happened with Tennessee. So –
0: Yeah, looking looking really good um uh Mike, I know you had the uh schedule for the for the podcast so if you want to take this away man
1: yeah so I, I think we what what we were going to talk about before we look into this week uh, I know the schedule has dropped uh, a couple hours ago so everybody's excited to see where they're going but um so midseason playoff contenders so there's like what I mentioned before there's a couple undefeated teams there's two in Missouri and Notre Dame you know and then you have couple three and one teams in Wisconsin, Oregon, Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, Boise, um Florida, Florida State, Miami, um so a lot of teams still up there. Um you know, we only we know that there's only so many spots, but who are some of your contenders that, you know, okay, yeah, they're for sure a lock in the, you know, into the playoffs and who are a couple that you think, well, I can see them dropping off?
0: Are you asking me, or who are we starting with?
1: Whoever, whoever wants to uh, wants to answer that tough question.
0: I'll go. I'll go first. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna. So, I was gonna go to you, Smitty. I wanna. I wanna get. The, I like your insight. <laughs>
2: you know, man, it, it, it's crazy um, how such you know each conference is just so so murky even right now, um, because you do have teams that are, you know, like the Big 12. I think they got three teams that are are undefeated in conference play. Um, So when you look at those sort of factors, because that's the first thing that they look at is what is your in-conference record? Um, You know, there's still a lot of games to be played. There's still a lot of moving pieces. uh, But I, I think Notre Dame is probably the front runner to be, most likely the number one seed. Um you know and, and so I broke mine down um who I think will would end up um taking it in, in each conference. You y'all want me to go by conference? You want me to go how you want me to
0: do this?
1: Uh maybe maybe we can what is it, top two of each conference, right? On yeah, top, yeah, top,
0: yeah, top, top two, two and then I think what is it, one or two get in based off of the vote
1: yeah we yeah just do... two
0: will be two will be voted in yeah
1: yeah we can just do the top two yeah, of top each conference yeah, if you we want we
0: won't know the votes or
2: anything so um i'm going to go you know in the big 10 i think it's going to go down to to Notre dame and, and wisconsin um personally i think those would probably be the two out of the big 10
0: wisconsin, uh the big 12 really?
2: Yeah, you know, Wisconsin's my sleeper. Um, I've had them as a sleeper all season. They the in their power rankings index looks really really good. Um you know, they have a tough schedule, but they play well against their schedule. Um they've you know, they've got a really good balance on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. So I think Wisconsin's going to be coming in at second. Um in the Big 12, it it's a lot markier. Um but I do have Missouri. Missouri I got it. Missouri probably doesn't have the the strength of schedule. But when you look at what they're capable of doing on both sides of the ball, um, they have one of the most balanced teams uh, on both sides. And, again, that could be just because of who they played. Um, but I'm going to go with Missouri and Texas from the Big 12. In the SEC, I'm going Florida State and Florida. And then – I'll even go in and, and just put my two that are voted in. Um, my voted in, I got OK State and LSU. Um, so the, the, those are the eight that I, you know, early right now that I would see being uh,
1: in the playoffs. Oh, nobody tell Venmo.
0: Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know,
1: some
2: of them are interchangeable. Like I really debated on on Boise State. Being in there, you know, there, there's some really good teams out there that I think are just going to get passed up, you know, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I, I really like this this time of the year because your teams are done playing the MAC, um, so yeah. now it's really it's it's iron striking iron. And you know, I like I, I agree with you. Notre Dame, uh, probably the top seed. I, I I say the winner of Notre Dame Wisconsin will probably be the top seed. Um, I am glad that Wisconsin has come back. Um, I know how much money Hex has put into uh, his player and into the league. I know that he's trying to will his way uh, into the playoffs to make Wisconsin more respectable. Um, Oregon, I, I just don't know about Oregon yet. But um, if we go to, so I, I would say Oregon, Wisconsin from the Big Ten. Um, in the Big 12, Missouri kind of scares me only because they've played like the two bottom feeder teams. They played Tennessee when Tennessee pretty much didn't have players. And they played Texas A&M, which we know Texas A&M has been uh, pretty on a downfield, um, yep. downward spiral. So, you know, I really want to say I-, I hope Texas, they did come back against Boise, which was great. Um, they are kind of hot and cold. They haven't really shown a whole lot of dominance. Uh, I think my own team, Oklahoma State, uh, will probably be one of the top two in Big 12 just because I know how well we've played on defense. But You know, we play Boise this week and, you know, if Boise loses, they go to one and two in conference, which is, you know, not the end of the world. But you're starting to come up to after this week, there'll only be three games left. So um, SEC, Florida State has looked good. I think they'll they'll definitely go in and, you know, Florida has just been impressive. I know that they scored 100 points against Toledo, but still, you know, Blevins has just looked like a, a god amongst boys out there.
0: Yeah, he's coming up on some records too. Like he was already through three weeks, ten touchdowns away from entering the top five in passing touchdowns in a season. Um, it's still gonna be. It's. I think it's gonna be hard water to to keep it. I, I. I don't know. I keep saying that it's going to be hard for him to do it, but then he just keeps making me look ridiculous. Because at first, I mean, it was. And even use there was a whole argument after week one. Well, they went up against a MAC team, but then they took on Miami. That was a tough loss. The fact that anybody had to get a loss in that Miami, Florida game, uh, I think it should just be taken off the record. It should be like expunged. You should have to. You shouldn't have a loss for it. But it. I mean, you're gonna. They. It was just a tough. It was a great game for us to watch, but a tough loss to take. Um, and then we I mean, we thought that Washington was a good defense. I mean, I know the last couple of weeks have not really looked like that. Uh, but, I mean, for my – all right, so for the Big 12, um, I'm still kind of high on Missouri. I think that they do have the right pieces. You have Sean Moore Jr., you have Grayson Davis. I do like those middle linebackers in the middle. Um, I think they need to generate a little bit more pressure from the front four. But they have the secondary to get it done, and we've seen it. Johnny Tipton and then uh, Anthony Ellis back-to-back, two interception games. That's no joke, um, especially when you start conference play against Texas A&M, uh, and then you do it against Nebraska, which I thought, Nebraska, I thought that was going to be a closer game than what it was, and they blew Nebraska out of the water, and Nebraska has a top 10 defense in statistical categories as well. So Nebraska's no slouch. But uh, So I have Missouri. And then, man, that that last spot is going to be a dogfight between, um, I think, Texas is going to – Texas, as you know, is going to be there. Juby always has his guys uh, prepared and ready for the final stretch and for Big 12 play. Uh, But he has to take on Missouri. This Missouri and Texas game coming up is going to be big uh, because then Juby – it starts a – this has started like a little bit of a a, – a battle for him in this lat these last couple weeks is he had OU now now Missouri that looks really good, and then Oklahoma State and then he gets Texas Tech has really kind of taken a step back. Um, no slouch- I mean no disrespect to them, but a step back is especially when you're in an eight game schedule season, uh, you don't want to take step backs. You want to keep stepping forward. So a step back for them, I it's tough, especially zero two in conference. It's always tough to be zero and two. And then, because you're you're two games behind everybody that has beaten you and everybody that has taken care of business, um, so I think it's going to be, uh, man, it's it's Missouri, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put Oklahoma State in there. Uh, everybody's like everybody's probably gonna be mad and say why not Boise? Boise schedule is tough. Boise schedule is real tough. Texas A&M, or they started with Texas. Uh, should have put that game away left the door open and oliver Kabot had a big time game and we really don't see that from tight ends but texas a&m took care of business that was a another tough game anytime you go up against ally peters and uh rev uh it's going to be tough um but now they have oklahoma state they have ou they have nebraska then they finish with missouri i mean that's a that's a killer killer ending to their season and Depending on how this this Oklahoma State game is going to be big, because then they have to take on OU. What does OU OU look like? They kind of took a step back against uh, against Texas in the rivalry game. So I got uh, Missouri and Texas uh, for the Big Ten. Um, I know you said the winner of Wisconsin Notre Dame, but they don't play each other this season. Uh, what? Yeah, they don't. They
1: not play each other.
0: No, they're they're that. Yeah, they don't play each other.
1: Oh, wow. That's crazy. Because they're going to be like the top two teams, and you're really going to have to go to tiebreakers to break that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they don't play each other because there's always, based on how it is, there's always one team that you don't play. So for this season, Notre Dame doesn't play Wisconsin. That's huge. Yeah. I got Notre Dame and, oh, man, Oregon. I mean, because Oregon and Wisconsin play each other. So that could be a big game. In week six. So, that's next week. <laughs> and uh, Oregon, get, uh, they have Michigan. I, I think it's going to be... I th- I'm going to put Oregon in there. Um, and then probably, I'll, I mean, Wisconsin could get some votes depending on how it goes. But I have Notre Dame and Oregon up there. Um, and then the SEC, it's got... I, I, sec so would it be funny if it's florida and miami that are the top two uh that one that's gonna be that's t- i mean but then we don't really know what team we've seen we've seen from auburn but they they get clemson who just almost beat they had the biggest comeback in cf history and they almost won against florida so they are no joke tough yeah um or actually no they have they have miami this week and then clemson next week uh for auburn so but uh i'm but what florida are we seeing a real florida state team like i i don't think i've ever seen a florida state team this this high up (laughs) uh since i mean mike i mean we, we are the longest tenured that's on this podcast i don't think i've seen a team like florida state like this where they've been up this high like undefeated in conference play
1: yeah, um, it, it's been a while, the but SEC you is, know,
0: the SEC is up for grabs.
1: Yeah, I, I will say one thing that I I like seeing the net point differential um, teams with higher numbers tend to always pretty much make the playoffs um, Flor- uh, Florida State. Their net is only three points. That's huge. Um, I think they've gotten some wins where maybe they shouldn't gotten wins. But um, you look at Florida, I know they beat it you know, totally team about a hundred, but you know, they, they are putting up numbers against, you know, really rival schools like Miami. Um, You know, they play Miami tough and that tiebreaker is going to be coming in, coming in clutch there. But, you know, Miami has a 57 point differential. Oklahoma has 101. Missouri has 116. So um, those are just some of the numbers to look at. Like these are teams that are beating the teams that they're supposed to by a lot. And that's pretty key. I mean, to your, your settings are pretty, pretty locked in. So, um, I was surprised that you did not pick Boise um, in the Big Twelve, even though that's your school. I'm sure uh, everybody in the locker room is going to be uh, making fun of you. For I, don't that. Even,
0: I don't even know who listens to it in the locker room, to be honest.
1: It's terrible. You need <laughs> to just play it on repeat.
0: <laughs> who knows? Maybe that's the maybe I'm giving our team some old uh, some our own bulletin board material.
1: Well, it's going to be bulletin board material. Boise State does not care about the CFSL.
0: Doesn't how does that turn from not? How does that turn to not caring about the CFSL?
1: Because you don't listen to the most popular podcasts. I don't don't care. I don't, I don't, now
0: I get
1: it. Fourth and inches can be gone for forever. They're still not, um, (laughs) for the level we are. Uh, I think there's a minor leaguer never listened to you before, so I have no idea, but you know, I think our podcast is probably one of the best. So, um, if you're not listening to it, man, you're missing out. Yeah.
0: But let's get uh, let's get DT Hall because uh, he's got he's got a uh, he's coaching in the MAC and he's an assistant for Wisconsin. Uh, early predictions for how this is going to turn out in all all three to conferences.
3: First of all, I'd like to say I love that you're firing shots at your one of your uh, one of your invitees today in their podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, the, the Big Ten. I, I I really wish we did play Notre Dame this year, but we we don't yet again two years in a row. Um, I've got Notre Dame one because I don't I don't see anybody left on their schedule that I think is going to going to be a. I mean, they're going to be a challenge, but I I just don't I don't see them losing. Um, yeah, no. yeah, I agree. Two is I hear I don't know. I think it all comes down to next week for number two between us and Oregon or Wisconsin and Oregon. Um, I think winner of that's going to end up being the second place team in the conference. Um, Big 12. I like Texas to win. Um, And I see the second place probably coming down to bedlam week eight between Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. Um, Missouri's had a light schedule. I know they're undefeated so far, but I I see a tough road ahead for them. Yeah. And I I don't I don't see them keeping pace. Um. God, this kills me here. Frozone. <laughs> Just gonna say it. I think LSU wins the SEC. God bless. <laughs> <And> Holy. I... <laughs> somebody somebody needs to like
4: put this in a pin message somewhere. <laughs> 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 and
3: then uh. Uh, I'm going to put Florida in at two just because of their net. I, and their offense has been killer so far this year. Whether it's been MAC or P3, it doesn't matter. They're putting up points and taking care of business so far. That and
0: l- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Do go what? Yeah, you know, go ahead.
3: Go yeah, ahead. I'm not even going to do the two toss ins. I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop at six and call it good.
0: <laughs> he doesn't want to ruffle any more feathers. <laughs> i like it all right so justin morris it's your, your first time being on the podcast and we're dumping you to the wolves right now <laughs> um so, well first off good luck
4: I wanna, yeah i want to thank old buddy over here for mentioning the minor leaguer because even if he's a uh, talking trash you're you're still shouting us out that means you're thinking of us so thank you um I'm going to start in the Big Ten. And for once, I actually agree with DT for the most part. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to win that conference. Um, you know, the their win over Oregon pretty much solidifies Oregon's fate in terms of winning the conference. However, uh, you, you can't just ignore Oregon because they lost once. Uh, I think that... The, Oregon, the Oregon-Wisconsin the Oregon game will decide the number two seed um, for that conference, and I think Wisconsin is going to lose that one, and Oregon will get the, the two spot. But I, I do think Wisconsin is going to be one of those vote-ins. Um, the Big 12, I think uh, this one's pretty interesting because there's so many things that could happen. But, uh, you know, a a lot of teams have been or a lot of people in the league have been talking about Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Missouri, and those teams. And and I think two teams that aren't talked about as much as those three, Oklahoma and Texas or Oklahoma State and Texas. Those are going to be the two at the top in the end in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma State wins the conference and Texas finds their way in at number two. For the SEC. I think that's the tightest conference right now, in my opinion. Um, so many things could happen. We could have so many different outcomes. I think Florida will win the SEC, and I think LSU is going to come in second. Florida State will be the other vote in. And and I think that this game coming up this week between LSU and Florida will be the deciding factor. Now, there there is a bunch of other stuff that could happen, of course. I, I think Auburn – You know, I I think their chances are really, really small right now, but there's a lot of one-on-one teams in the SEC. So, you know, maybe they could get some late-season surge going. Alabama, I think, could do the same thing. And, of course, Miami and Florida State, they're – I say Florida State, even though they were one of my vote-ins, I think they could still win the conference, obviously. Um, But them in Miami, I think they have two – high possibilities of making it into the playoffs also awesome
1: good to hear uh, everybody's rankings and uh, to be honest i had no idea you were on the minor leaguer so (laughs) the minor leaguer is my (laughs) (laughs) had no idea so um see how much i pay attention um
0: just blame me on having a kid
1: uh, yeah isn't, have that, one why the you, kid isn't that
0: why you have kids because you could just blame everything on the kid
1: yeah everything is on the infant i have no idea what's going on right now that's why northern illinois lost two in a row so
0: <laughs> um <laughs> well that's what mike likes to think
1: yeah let's uh so or let's talk about oregon real quick and i just want to mention this like oregon i'm pretty sure that uh venmo or venom or whoever however they call them nowadays is um he probably was using frosty settings the first couple weeks and then they sort of fell off. And now it's going to be really interesting to see his take on, um, how well he does going forward, you know, and they could be in this spot that, um, you know, they are able to make a run at the the title, but you know, you already lost the, to, to Notre Dame. So, um, if they lose here, cause you said they play Wisconsin, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So they, if
0: they play Wisconsin, uh, next week, yeah, if uh, they
1: lose to Wisconsin, if they lose to Wisconsin, I think they're out. Yeah, um, Oregon, Oregon so.
0: has Michigan this week.
1: Oh, well, that's that's easy. <laughs> as much as like I like Allen, so um,
0: yeah, maybe maybe he could shock the world. Their roster you know,
3: really isn't that bad this year.
1: Yeah, Michigan is has has had a good roster. Um, it's just I don't know what Allen does. <laughs> well, I kind of know what he does, but it's just. I don't know how it tends to be Michigan at the bottom of the standings every week until they play Ohio State, then they look like the number one team in the country.
4: Finally, somebody else said it. I don't know why. Everybody always tries to argue with me when I make a statement about Michigan. But I don't get it. And I, they've, I think
0: they've had talent. I mean, look at uh, Davenport. He really hasn't been used at all. And then all of a sudden, like, he'll have, like, a good game. But they have weapons there, like Tim Benjamin. Uh, Gramellion like they have dudes
1: <laughs> yeah
0: A.W. Thornton
1: so since we're talking about dudes and and players let's move on to the um, offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year um, watch list so who are your picks for offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year
0: alright so I'll, I'll start this one out uh, for defensive player of the year, uh, you know, I bet I gotta give it to uh to Kruger and uh well, I'll give like three, I'll give three. Uh, so it's Kruger, Nick Harley, of course. Uh, I definitely th- it it probably will be one of them. Um, but defensive line matters. Uh, and I want more people to play defense. I want more people to come up and want to be defensive line players. Uh, so. I'm gonna name those two. Uh, I mean, when you break the sack record, and there, I think both of them are gonna destroy the sack record by the by the time that it's done uh, this season, and then also the tackle for loss record is gonna be broken and put up in the stratosphere as well because uh, I think uh, Kruger just hit over a hundred tackles for loss, and we've never seen that in the SFL or in the CFL before. I'm getting my leagues mixed up, and uh, I definitely. Uh, The third one, um, man, I mean, there's so many to go with uh, for potential defense. Um, It's like, do you you give it to, like, Nick Hopper or someone that has, like, a lot of tackles, or do you want to go with somebody who has, like, interception galore and stuff like that so i mean when you just take a look at who's leading i mean brock hoskins you have to you have to put him in there um he's got 51 tackles 13 tackles for loss uh but do you give it to his teammate austin Witten, who plays defensive tackle who's got uh, four more tackles for loss than him but then you have to or do you give it to jedi longtree who uh for defensive player of the year who who's doing it Again, essentially, he may not be leading the league by storm, but he's definitely somebody who just set the new getting up there for uh, the tackle record. He's going to break Jimbo Smithers, but he just had his best game of the season with 16 tackles. He's had every game this season outside of week one has been double-digit tackles now, so he's stepping his game up. He's ramping up now as they get into conference play i'm I, it depends sean moore i think sean moore jr still can creep in there i'm gonna put him as my number three uh f- just um so it's nick harley krueger and uh uh sean moore jr uh for defense offense Blevins uh I think the whole panel is gonna agree on that uh Blevins maybe Deshaun Odie but his interception numbers have gone up a little bit the last couple weeks if he starts taking care of the football again potentially I like I like it when a quarterback doesn't throw like 20 interceptions and have like 20 like maybe 30 touchdowns I want to see more of them taking care of the football um so I'm giving it to Blevins and also he's only turned the ball over like three or four times so he's still like up up there for least turnovers um now, now it becomes hard a little bit because I, I do think that Blevins is going to run away with it uh Tim's you got to throw in there I mean, he's now he's creeping up into Jared totonis territory um I don't think of running I don't even think that there's going to be a running back that he, even going to be put on there uh, so I'm going to go with uh Blevins and Tims and then Pepino or it's either going to be Pepino or Murray it's going to be one of those two quarterbacks because whoever could get into that uh whoever could get up in there for the Big 12 um and win it I think it's going to be on their on their quarterback so I'm going to give it to Vito Pepino those are my 3 for offensive.
1: Wow. Well. Um, so I, I, I do agree with you um, on Blevins. I really think that um, he's just put up absolute insane numbers. No matter if he put up 100 against Toledo, it's still um, he, he's come back week after week and put up those type of numbers. And 28 passing touchdowns is just <laughs> ridiculous to three interceptions. And that's way more than Doug Day. And, you know, this all matters if Florida can continue to their hot yeah, hand I mean, and roll. He's
0: done, He's got the total offense with just his passing touchdowns. I mean he would yeah. be leading throw out the, the rushing touchdowns. He would still have the lead with his twenty four with twenty-eight passing touchdowns. He'd be blowing out still. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's it's really blevins or his, you know, his his wide receiver um Tim's uh, I think are gonna be probably the you know, either one of those can you can really make a case for it. Defensive, you know, I, I think Jedi Longtree has kind of fallen off a little bit or you know We've had a lot of better defensive players come out um, But I I really like what Austin wind has done. He's put better numbers in Harley and Kruger. Um, he's playing on the Iowa defense that uh, is really stout um, he lead he has he 26 tackles 17 tackles for a loss and 10 sacks are already so um to do it from a defensive tackle position, which you know I'm trying to remember the last defensive tackle that won an award. I think it was Tyson Ali, do you remember that um as as I pull it up real quick
0: um,
1: no, uh, Ali didn't win, oh. but Ali was a force. so he could be the first defensive tackle to win defensive player of the year and and that's hard that's it's hard from a defensive line because you, know, you got guys that are playing safety and interceptions or they get yeah, a ton Col- of tackles. Colton
0: Allen was the last defensive player of the year on the defensive line. Yeah. And that was so, season eight. He's been the only one.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be a big one. And I really hope that, uh, you know, Austin wouldn't take it. He's he's not really um, a chatterbox in chat, but, you know, it's, it's tough. So I think, you know, Blevins and Witten take it.
0: Yeah, and Winton Winton's right there with Sachs as well. Just looking. He's I mean, he's in between. He's tied with Kruger for second. And Harley's only two above them, so. Yep. Let's go with um we'll save uh the statistician for last because Smitty, I think, brings a lot to the table. Let's go with uh Justin Morse Jr.
4: Alright, um so this is like my favorite thing to talk about outside of playoffs junior <laughs> uh, <laughs> i i I like talking about who who could be potentially be player of the years um for for the simple fact it's every single season it, it seems like there's so many different directions you could go um like you were talking about jeff uh it, it all depends on what you want to look at whether it be the tackles or the interceptions or whatever. I'm going to start with a defensive player of the year, and, and I, I feel like well, I feel like there's a different couple ways you could go looking at specific stats. You, you look at Nick Carly sacks like you were talking about. Um, but when I think of a defensive player of the year, I think of, a, I think of a guy that can do anything, a linebacker that can cover and get to the QB, um, a safety that can drop back deep, cover that deep ball, and also come up and make a play, blast a running back or two a couple of times. And I, I didn't really have the opportunity to dive as deep into the player of the year possibilities as I wanted to. But I, I do have that for my vote if the voting was today. I, I know who I would vote for defensively and offensively. So I'll just give those two. Um I think right now the defensive player of the year is between Jedidiah Longtree and Nick Hopper. Um Longtree 46 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, a sack, two pass deflections and a forced fumble by the way if you don't know me you you're not going to know. I'm a stats guy. I love talking about stats and and I, like I said a few a minute, few minutes ago um I I like guys that can do everything. So it's it's not um I forgot who it is, but the the tackle leader in the league. Um it's not him because he leads it's uh tack- Easton
0: Easton Spence from uh is leading it with uh Brock Hoskins. With Brock they Hos- both have fifty one tackles.
4: Yeah, Brock Hoskins is who I was thinking of. Um you know, it's not him because he leads the league in tackles, stuff like that. It I I look at guys that has um I guess you could say efficient enough numbers in multiple categories, not just one or two. Um, but yeah, Nick Hopper, he has from Notre Dame, he has 45 tackles, five tackles for loss, two interceptions, five pass deflections, and also one force fumble. So I think defensive player right now, or defensive player of the year right now, is between those two. And then offensive player of the year, I'm going to ramble for a minute <laughs> if y'all don't mind. Um, right now, I feel like the Offensive Player of the Year is Ronnie Blevins. Um, he's 160 for, for 224 passing, 1,964 yards, 28 touchdowns, and three interceptions. That's just insane, along with some rushing stats, too. The interesting thing is for me is – uh, and what I'm about to say, I thought for a little bit, too. His stats are that high because of the Toledo game, but then I dove in – to it for a little bit um no one is or at least it's not proven that it's possible yet no one's going to get those numbers against a power three school unless it's a really tight high scoring ball game uh for example the one with florida and miami maybe you get those type of numbers against the power three school but if it's any other game you're not going to do it um but it, so if you take that mac game away if you take that toledo game out ronnie blevins is 111 for 164, 1,278 yards, 17 touchdowns and three interceptions. I say this because those numbers are simply or very similar to mine from last season when I myself won off as a player of the year. Uh, I was 192 for 166, 2,140 yards, 16 touchdowns and three interceptions. So he's already passed me in touchdowns. And at this point, minus that one game, so that's three games and what I hit in six games. So looking at those two, I just think he deserves it. And, and I think voting sometimes is too political. I, I think people look too much at the total rather than how the total was achieved. For example, if, if touchdowns determine the offensive player of the year, now this is just hypothetically speaking, um, but if touchdowns was, was the deciding factor and Ronnie Blevins had, had 22 and Jim Carr had 20, and Oklahoma never played a max school, but Florida did. If if the wins and other stats go with the touchdowns, I personally would take Jim Carr, but most people would take Levins due to him having the higher total in general. Um, but, yeah, that's my stance on the player of the years.
0: That, that's some good stuff right there. Uh, what about uh, D.T. Hall?
3: Uh, instead of just the same old regurgitated people. Uh just looking at the stats uh, outside the box, I'd say Velez, the running back from Missouri, just because of his production. I mean, yeah, they're not gaudy numbers, but I'm just thinking of somebody that hasn't been mentioned. Um I mean he's steadily putting up decent numbers. He's looking to break a thousand yards for the year rushing, which nowadays isn't isn't a common thing anymore. Um he does have some catches out of the backfield defensively, uh I'd say winner, just because kind of like JMJ was saying, um he does have a lot of tackles, but he also has a couple interceptions, one with a touchdown, a forced fumble. I mean, he's been doing a little bit of everything not just collecting tackles, but he is also third in tackles in the league. So that that's kind of the two I'd go with, other than the ones that have already been mentioned a couple of times already. And
0: awesome. Then,
3: and then uh
2: Smitty. All right, all right. <laughs> I love it. I love this discussion because, you know, people are deep deep diving and I love that. Um because I think it's important that that voters really, truly get this right when it comes to, to things, uh, especially on a yearly award. Um, you have to account for so many different factors of who they played, how they performed in those games. Did they did they blow out a MAC team but yet um, couldn't beat a P3 team and, and were their stats inflated because of that? Um, things like that have to be taken into account. So I love the fact that JMJ – sorry, uh, my son's uh, diabetes alarm going off. Um, but you have to take those sort of things into account. And, you know, I love the fact that JMJ um, went really in thorough with uh, his analysis there. Um, but, you know, going back to, to that, is, is Levins is doing something that last year's Offensive Player of the Year did in six games. He's, he's done it in three, and he's done it against three MAC programs. Um, at the time, Washington was a top three ranked defense, and he was still able to put up uh, uh, amazing numbers. Uh, Miami, who who just took their first loss of the season, and is sitting three and one. Um, he was able to do those sort of things, and I got it. Five overtimes does help, um, but going into into the overtimes, he was already sitting at five five touchdowns. Um, so when and and then you know you go against Clemson, and, and his performance in the first half of that game was absolutely phenomenal. Um, fell off in the second half, and and you know just had to talk to him and say, hey, settle down, man, just just go out and win this game, and that's what we did. But um, really, I think what it's going to boil down to is is which of the two uh, front runners, and, and, and that's going to be Blevins and Teams. Which one of the two breaks that record and by uh, the records that they're going for, and and by how much? Right? Um, does Blevins just break the the season uh, t- uh, passing touchdown record by one, and and then Levi breaks the receiver and reception touchdown? um record by four or five you know those things sort of matter so i think whoever whoever breaks it and then by by how much um is really going to be dependent on on who wins that um offensive player of the year um but you know i got to give some honorable mentions because there's some some really good play going on by by many many great players um so I, i did devise a list real quick of of people I thought um, should at least be nominated, and and I think Odie's going to be one of them out of Miami. I think Comet will probably end up being uh, nominated out of Oregon, Um, Ty Coco out of Mizzou, Talani Velez out of Mizzou, and then uh, Luke Hall uh, might be uh, the other halfback um, on that list. And and, and when you look at that offensive player list, you're going to see – one that's primarily probably going to be dominated by quarterbacks, um, and you're probably only going to see one wide receiver on there, um, which is is disheartening because you want to see these guys have great seasons, um, not just the QBs. Because the QB the QB can throw it all day, but it's still the wide has got to be able to catch the ball. The wide receivers still got to be able to turn around, shed a block or or shed a tackle, and and turn that into a touchdown. Um. So those those are my offense. I've been. I really think it's a, it's a just a two man race between Blevins and teams at this point.
4: Uh, I, I would uh, like to point something out real quick, if you don't mind. I I just want to yeah about Ronnie Blevins. You know when when I first. This is my second player in the league, but when I first, made, JMJ J. and I committed to NIU, I was talking to a Wookie that that offseason, that recruiting season. And he was asking me different questions about, you know, what I wanted in the future and stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, national championships are great and all. But the, the one thing I want is I want to be in the record. Book. That, that's my main focus. I want to break records and I want to, you know, kind of set the path for the future quarterbacks of this league. And Ronnie Blevins just gave me a big old middle finger. And said, "Forget you, bro. You, you, you're not going to touch these records now. So I, thanks for that. That's all I wanted to and, say." And
0: I mean, you, I mean, really, he can win offensive player of the year, but he can also take home the comeback as well because he really throughout his uh, career in the SFL or in the CFL, excuse me again. Um, I'm broadcasting in so many leagues in the CFL that it the trajectory was not where it is right now and then all of a sudden this season has been just a complete whirlwind of a, a quarterback that we've never seen before like this like a start since voodoo or since ray tatum really and and to think that he has a chance to break a record from tatum i just want to stick it in horn's face
1: Oh, man. <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean I mean records are meant to be broken, but I, I kind of feel like uh a little bit of uh a pride to this because I said that it was either going to be Odie, I wanted to see Odie and I wanted to see Blevins step their game up. So the fact that a ha- uh both of them have but the fact that Blevins has done this, it's re- remarkable.
2: Mm, I absolutely. Yeah. Have. You look at the QBs of the past, and and, I mean, some of these records have been standing standing since like season two, season three, season four. Um, and you know, for for Blevins to be even competitive with what they were doing back then is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so on to defensive player of the the year, and and I think, um, you know, this is uh, this one's a little bit tighter. Um, I think it's probably going to boil down to Bruder to and Hurley. Um, But there, there's some really good players that could be nominated. And if they continue uh, doing what they're doing and just be consistent, as they have been all season um, up to this point, I think that the, the, they could really be strong contenders. Um, and, and, you know, so I'm going to give a shout out to Hoskins from Iowa, uh, winner from Florida State. Uh, Longtree from Oregon, uh, Rocky Dell from Notre Dame, and Allstop from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then final is just Frazier uh, um, from University of Florida, and I think that's somebody that hasn't really been talked about a whole lot. Um, that guy had just had a game where he had seventeen, seventeen tackles, two TFLs, an interception, and a forced fumble. You know, if he if he can perform, can or continue to perform games like that, um, he's definitely going to be somebody that could be up there. So. Uh, ben, I, but I do. I think that Kruger and, and Harley would probably be the two front runners in that race.
0: Now, I will have to say, what would a corner or a safety have to do to get into this? I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but Anthony Ellis already has five interceptions on the season. He does have a fumble recovery, three pass deflections, though, but. I mean, 13 tackles, but really, we don't really see high tackle numbers from cornerbacks. What would say Anthony Ellis have to do in order to get into the conversation for defensive player of the year?
2: Um, yeah. So that's a great question because, you know, naturally when a really good cornerback should not have a whole lot of tackles means cause that means nobody's thrown to their side if they don't have a whole lot of tackles. Yep. Um, so, you know, the lower their numbers are, probably the better that they're doing. But here's how they're going to get into conversations. If you go look at right now for who's got the most re- return, uh, interception return yards um, in in the league, um, those are going to be your indicators for, for safeties and corners. Um, who, who got more interceptions? Who got the more interception return yards? Who's got the more inter- um, pick sixes? sort of
0: things on that side of the ball
2: so- your corner your safety i think those are the things that we got to look at uh when we're yeah, talking about somebody like that in there
0: yeah because he is only one away from tying finnegan jackson stone and juan cantu for second all time in the cfl for interceptions in a season and then he's only two behind Diedrich law and antoine curry who have seven we haven't seen anybody have eight interceptions in a season before um he's got five this season we'll see I mean he just had two interceptions in a game uh just against Nebraska uh this is his second time that he's had two interceptions in the game he had two interceptions against Tennessee as well um but yeah I mean the return yards aren't there 17 and 5 um in the with the five interceptions so only 22 yards total on his interceptions but we'll see if he can they start throwing it his way more a little bit and maybe he can make some more big plays i think
2: yeah. you, you're gonna look at somebody like that i think you gotta look at somebody like setty blunt um if i'm just being honest um you should go look at setty blunt i think he's got three or f- hell he might have four interceptions at this point in the season but he he's probably got over 100
4: in uh interception return yards. I think um yeah, the 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 smaller number for a corner, uh, the better they're doing because no the quarterback's aren't throwing their way. However, I think you have to have those big numbers in order to stop quarterbacks from throwing your way. And I I go into this, I think for a corner to get into the defensive player of the year conversation. I think interceptions and pass deflections is the way to maybe get into that. Along with what you said, Smitty, I'm, I'm not saying you were wrong on anything. I, I, I like your opinion on that. But I think interceptions and pass deflections is the two most important for that. And for safety, I think it's <laughs> interceptions and tackles. Because when I think of a safety, um, I'm thinking of like I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the defensive player of the year, how I look at somebody that can do a little bit of everything, and especially at safety. You know, you want that safety that can drop back and take care of that deep route, and you want a safety that can come out or come up and make tackles in the open field. And I think that's the two most important things when you're talking about a safety and possibly win a defensive player of the year
0: yeah i just think it's a good it's a good uh, talking point like where how we can get you know like corners because you know it's always it always goes to like the linemen or the or the line i mean linebackers i mean jimbo smithers was a safety he won uh player of the year but he had the tackle numbers um he never had an interception until his last season in the league uh but uh I mean, he always had those high tackle numbers. I mean, he set the record for tackles in a career with 430 that Longtree is going to break in this next game. But um, so it was just a good talking point for maybe what would a corner or, you know, a safety that doesn't have those high tackle numbers that doesn't play in the box like a free safety have to do.
4: Yeah, I I like the question, (laughs) I think it was interesting.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I, I agree completely with you, J.M.J. I think you got to look at from corners, you just got to they have to really put up gotting numbers in, in those interceptions and pass deflections and, and potentially those, you know, pick six categories, things like that. those just eye popping numbers
4: uh, for those guys. And it's hard, too, because if you if you think about it, really, there's more. There's just a better opportunity for a linebacker or a D lineman to get it than a corner or a safety because for safety, most of the time, there's two of them on the field at once. And corner, sometimes there's four of them. So it's really hard because a quarterback can only throw to one receiver at a time. But if a quarterback is sitting there in, in the pocket, any of those three or four D linemen could get to him and they all have a fair chance. A linebacker, running back comes up the middle or a receiver comes over the middle. Any of those three linebackers can make a tackle. But if you got a corner on the left side and the ball goes to the right, that corner on the left is pretty much irrelevant to the play. Yeah. So it it's just, <laughs> in terms of Defensive Player of the Year, it's really kind of not fair for a DB because they have way less opportunities to affect the game than a linebacker or a dean lineman is it
0: so, gonna have to be where we see somebody have they have to break the season like for for instance uh, let i mean we could do who at whatever corner but for i mean because anthony ellis has the most we'll just use him as an example he's got five already so does he have to break the season record for interceptions in a season and then maybe have a couple pick sixes as well
4: i think so personally yeah okay yeah, I agree.
2: I think he's just going to have to break it and and just have some gaudy <laughs> return yards and and some touchdowns to go with it um, for for people to even look at it because they're just gonna, they're going to look at oh well he doesn't have a hundred tackles on the season you know and it's just not going to be fair for him
0: for them. Okay. Well, uh, now we could get into a little discussion. Uh, we could get into like what our games to watch are for this upcoming week here in Week Five schedule was just posted for anybody listening that doesn't know in the schedule channel. Um, so week five is starting up this week. Uh, let's, say, let's start with a uh, DT hall. What's a game outside your own that you're looking forward to seeing in this, uh, upcoming week five.
3: I haven't even looked at the schedule.
0: I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right, let's go with uh, James J. All
4: right. Um, um, currently pulling the website back up too, but so I can be accurate to what I'm talking about. So while that pulls back up, I'm going to start with this one game that should be weighing on everybody's mind. That's the LSU Florida game. Of course, that's my own game and I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I do think it has, you know, big implications, especially in the sec. So, uh, as I stated earlier, that, that conference is really tight and I, I personally feel like it's the, the tightest conference out of the three right now um, for the simple fact of how up in the air it is. There's so many one and one teams. There's so many different chances that different teams are going to have to take over the conference as we come into the second half of the season. So I think that game is going to be very important and it kicks off the week. So it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I've Me personally – as the quarterback for LSU, I look forward to the, the matchup against Ronnie Blevins. I think that's going to be very fun, and it should be something everybody looks out for. Um, I think that uh, – looking forward, I think Missouri and Texas, that could be a big one. Um, Texas is going to have an opportunity to kind of knock off – knock Mizzou out of that number one spot. Everybody wants to talk about their schedule and how it's a bit easier when Alice Texas' opportunity to prove it. And um, in, in my opinion, based off of what Oklahoma State does against Boise, this game could put Texas at number one in, in the Big 12. So I think that's going to be a big one. And then the next one I think will be Auburn and Miami. Um, this game is going to decide a lot. For these two teams. Um, if Auburn loses, I think you can start to maybe kind of write them off for the playoffs this year in Miami um, you know it, if they win this game, they're gonna continue to put themselves in the conversation of potentially making the playoffs or maybe even winning the conference. If they lose, you know it, it may be a different story it's gonna their road to the playoffs is gonna be a little bit harder and Auburn is going to kind of jar the door a little bit, say, no, nah, we ain't done yet. Um, so I think that's going to be another big one as well. And I, I think those are the three of the biggest games.
0: All right. Uh, yeah, I agree. That Missouri-Texas game is a big one. Should be circled on everybody's list, the one that they have to tune into a lot on the line. Texas got a big win against uh, OU. Now they're uh, two and zero in conference, so looking really good. Um, also, the uh, Nebraska—I think the Nebraska Oklahoma game is going to be big. How is Oklahoma going to rebound, and can Nebraska get off the Schneider being zero and two in conference? That's going to be a big one um, as well. Uh, DT, uh, back to you.
3: Uh, a couple of them I was looking at. So, I mean, I think it's go time for Auburn if they don't if they can't pull it out this week ship has probably sailed for the season. Um, so it's got to be a big matchup come Friday for them. The other one I was looking at was, what the hell they go? You no, know, same night, USC Washington. Whoever loses that one falls to two losses in the Big Ten, so they're it's going to be a tough go if they want to come back from that one. So, I mean, that's going to be a big matchup for either team to see who, who ends up two and one in conference and who drops to one and two between those two. Smithy? Um
0: oh, oh, go ahead. I thought Oh, no. okay, go ahead. Yeah, you had good. a couple. You had a couple, so. Lead on? No, get on, get the uh get the listeners what they want.
3: Give the listeners what they want. Yeah. But I can't <laughs> talk about myself. Well. Let's go for EMU for the upset over Kent State. How about that? Really? They just come out and air it out. Why not? <laughs> Isn't it time <laughs> Yeah. You, yeah. you just want, you just that, want
0: Kent State to lose, don't you?
3: No, I want them to be undefeated when they play us next
0: week. Okay.
3: Or undefeated in MAC. So, anyway.
0: Wait, so then why would you say EMU going to ear it out and beat them, but then you really want Kent State to be undefeated when they play you?
3: Because you wanted me to be edgy. So that's just the first thing I saw that popped into my head. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I really don't
0: have anything else. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Smitty.
2: Alright, so I got four games, you know, so I write the article for, for the Power Rankings Index, um, which which will drop every week. Um, so, you know, I sort of get a, a more inside look <laughs> um, at these matchups um, and, and how it all can play into things. Um, so I got four must must-watch games. Like, uh, you, you need to watch all of them, but... Um, these are fours that, or four that I think have huge, huge, could potentially have huge impacts. And, and the first one is going to be Missouri versus uh, Texas. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, what two teams from the Big Twelve could potentially make it into uh, as the number one, number two seed for their conference, and Missouri and Texas were, I think, uh, a big part of the conversation for for most people. Um, so Texas. Just knocked off an undefeated team this past week in Oklahoma. Now they're going on against another undefeated team in Missouri. Can they go ahead and knock them off um, and sort of put Texas's name and say, "Hey, we are the front runners in the Big 12. Missouri and everybody else is just second second place losers." Um, so that's that's another game. Or does Missouri, you know, come out and say, "Hey, we're four zero for a reason. Texas, we're about to be five and now." Um, so that that's a that's a game that I have got circled. The next one is the one that comes on tomorrow night, and that's LSU versus UF. And that's not because it's my you know one of my games. It, it, it's the fact that that one has some really big implications in the SEC. Um, if Florida wants to continue on and, and potentially make them, themselves into the playoffs, I think it's a must sort of a must win for them. Um, LSU probably has not. As much of a must win because then they could pull two and one and they can still be at the top um, of the SEC. Um, but it, it's it's the SEC. Nobody wants to lose, so every game in the SEC, uh, any team, it really is, is a must win. Um, but I, I think that one is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a exciting game. I think it's it's probably two of the best uh, teams inside the SEC going head-to-head early uh, or in the middle of the the season. Um, And it it does have a lot of implications into how uh, the SEC may or may not turn out. Um, Then my next one is going to be Oklahoma State and Boise State. Um, I think that's a big game between both of them. Um, It has implications both in, in their playoff potentials. Um, Oklahoma State and Boise State are just two really talented teams that are going to go at it. They're going to go blow for blow. And it's going to be, if nothing else, it's going to be an extremely – or should be an extremely fun game to watch. Um, and then the last one is another SEC, SEC game. That's Alabama and Florida State. Florida State's 2-0 in conference. Alabama's 1-1. Um, I think at this point, Alabama is, is another one of those teams that if they want their playoff uh, potential to stay alive, they gotta sort of win this. Not probably so much the case with Florida State. Um, but you know, Florida State wants to remain at the top of the throne of the SEC And right now that's where they're sitting. So can I mean Alabama just beat Miami, dethrone them from the top of it. Can they go in and beat Florida State and dethrone them? Um, so, and if, if that's the case, if that does happen, if, if Alabama wins and Florida wins, I think the, the, the SEC picture has just gotten even murkier, um, and has has really, uh, become chaotic, uh, into, to who's going to come out on, on top in that, uh, that conference. So those are my four must watch, uh, games of this week.
0: All right. And before we wrap the week this week up, uh, Anybody got some uh shout outs they wanna they wanna deliver?
3: I wanna ask Smitty a question. Yeah, what's up, man? How about how about on your next ride up you give a little love to the to the Mac schools with the one through six without any ride up, just because it, they they like to see their names out there too every once in a while on some of these things. Jeff Jeff doesn't give us any love at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, not in the game. So... It's not supposed to be for the mech. Outside, yeah. outside of when they just play uh power three teams
2: so I will I, I will give a little secret um in the power rankings there is there is a a uh, mac team that is in in the top uh 15 they, they moved up they moved up from 16 and, and now they're in the top 15 I'm not gonna say exactly where they're at but they're somewhere between 10 and 15 now um so you know, kudos to that team. And actually, there's there's one other uh, Mac team that I want to say came in 21st uh, on the Power Rankings index. So, Mac teams, y'all keep doing what you're doing because that that team that's sitting at number 21, if they come out with another win, it may very well push them into the top 20, depending on how well they do. Oh,
3: he said another win. So I know I'm not.
0: I'm
3: not 21.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're on Wisconsin, too, so you could take partial credit.
3: There we go. I'll take partial credit, I guess. <laughs> right.
2: But, no, I do want to – I do, do got a shout-out. You know, um, this this is a big game uh, coming up. You know, just personally from, from a, a diehard Gator fan playing against the LSU, um, you know, it's, it's always been um, a rivalry between the two programs. So it, it's going to be a great game. But I absolutely love uh, 99% of the people on LSU uh, here in the CFSL. Um, you know, I've had many, many great conversations with, with many, many of them on that, that program. Um, I love Dylan LeBlanc, The dude's just phenomenal of a person. Um, you know, Tink Tink uh, knows how to get under my, my uh, feathers a little bit and ruffle them. But, you know, at the end of the day, me and him still can talk, uh, you know, in DMs and chat it up and and be best of buds in there. You know, JMJ, I, I truly hope you come out and you have a really great game, uh, just not great enough to, to beat us. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that you're going to come out. I think you're going to prove why you were offensive player of the year last year and the first two games were nothing but – the fact that y'all played really, really, really competitive programs, so you know, to all of LSU and and everybody on that staff and on that team, um, from from us here at uh here in Gainesville, we absolutely love you guys. It's nothing but respect, and, and no matter who comes across and wins that game, uh, we've got nothing but love and respect for you guys. All
0: right, yeah. so uh justin morris you got anything
4: yeah can uh, y'all hear me good
0: yeah okay my
4: discord is acting weird um first off i want to thank smitty for the the kind words and me personally i hope i ball out against y'all and we can get the win um that's all that matters in the end is the win
0: Okay, so we we lost him there. Hopefully, there he is. You back with us? Maybe he's not
4: back. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody called my phone, and <laughs> so yeah, that that happened. Um, what I was trying to say was, all that matters is the win, and hopefully, we can get a little bit of. Week 8, Season 11 action, you know, and drop a good bit of points on y'all. But it's all love and respect in the end. And, uh, you know, I have much respect for you as a, as a person and, and as an AD. Um, so all I hope is to put on a show for the CFSL to start the week. And uh, it should be a fun game. And I, I want to give a shout-out to my teammates um, for the simple fact of, you know, as I stated at the beginning of the, the night – morale and confidence was low to start the season we kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit those first couple weeks and we, we started to turn it around a little bit the ad's are working hard and you know, we now we've won two games in a row and we're feeling a little bit better about ourselves so I, I just want to give a shout out to those guys that locker room for you know keeping the faith and consistently working to get better each and every week and uh, hopefully we can continue to make a statement and drop Florida off this week.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. These are all these games I think are going to be good, especially when you have everything uh, with conference play coming to fruition here and the, to close out this and we're at the halfway point And uh, I think this is uh, this is going to be a good, uh, good end to the season in these next couple weeks. So I hope everybody starts to uh, buckle up, put their, uh, seatbelts on and get grab that popcorn and you know just get ready for this wild roller coaster that we've already been on the first four weeks and these last four are going to be the exact same so i i appreciate um horns uh being back again uh i know he had to he had to leave here uh go take care of something but uh Uh, everybody i mean without the listeners we don't have a podcast and i appreciate everybody that you know still comes onto the podcast to help out smitty uh the ad of florida appreciate you uh justin morse jr first time coming on i'm sure it probably won't be the last time has some good insight (laughs) and good luck this week and throughout the rest of this season um dt hall you know keep keep battling uh in the in the MAC, I know your are head coaching your AD spots coming up here. I think so. I think it will based on how you've turned Bowling Green around. Uh, sometimes it's not always about the victories, but uh, and also what you're doing with Wisconsin uh, with that coaching staff of uh, D Jones and and Leach. Appreciate everything with that as well. And good luck to you guys playing in your games this week. Uh, so that is going to do it for the Mike and Jeff do a podcast. Be sure to listen and subscribe. You can do it on Spotify. I dropped a link uh, always in user content. And you can also listen to it on Anchor. So uh, appreciate everybody. Any su- suggestions, be sure to DM them to Horns or myself. If you want to be on a, f- a future episode, go ahead and DM Horns or myself. So until next weekend, have a good night, everybody.